0: Some of my classmates used their excess money to invest in tech stocks. It did not turn out well for them. Some of my classmates lost all of their student loan money in the dot com bubble.
1: You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner Bobby Rebel, author of how to be a financial grown-up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're gonna get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, friends. This is a big episode here at Financial Grown-Up. We tried an experiment. We asked you guys to send in your money stories and your everyday money-saving tips to potentially be a guest here on the show. And you know what? It worked out really well. We have our first listener episode. I am so excited for how it turned out. Our guest is fantastic. He is a radiologist in Indiana, Dr. Scott Steinberg. So let's get to Scott's story. It is about the loans that he and his medical school classmates racked up years ago. So student debt to pay tuition is one thing. But taking out more than you need to actually pay the tuition and your real, your real school costs is a whole other thing. And the reality is that in some cases, people are talked into taking out more than they need just in case. But remember, that money is there, and sometimes it doesn't get paid back right away. Sometimes it gets invested in oh, technology stocks that can crash and burn in the dot-com bubble. It could also go to a new car you'll hear all about it here is Dr. Scott Steinberg Hey Scott Steinberg you're a financial grown-up welcome to the podcast Thanks a lot Bobby and congratulations you are our very first listener that we are having as a guest you're the winner so I'm so excited to have you
0: I'm glad to be here
1: and just quickly tell us about you what you do
0: Sure my name is Scott Steinberg I am a radiologist in Indiana. Uh, A radiologist is a physician who specializes in interpretation of medical images, such as X-ray, CAT scan, and MRI. And my subspecialty is in the emergency and trauma radiology world.
1: Wow. And what made you decide to write in?
0: Well, I've been listening to your podcast since the very beginning. A lot of your stories that you have uh, on your podcast are very compelling and when I heard that you wanted to have a listener on with a compelling story, I thought, you know, there are some really weird things about the student loan industry, uh, particularly with respect to medical school, that I thought maybe this might be something that you haven't heard of before. So I reached out to you and told you some some interesting nuggets about that.
1: Which brings us to your story, which is very interesting, especially because it has to do with your student loans, but also money that you didn't necessarily use for tuition. So tell us exactly what happened.
0: Sure. So as you probably know, medical school is not cheap. So most medical students need to finance their education with student loans. And at that time, when I started medical school in 1999, it was really easy to get a lot of loans for all four years of medical school.
1: And how much did four years of medical school cost at the time?
0: At the time, tuition, I went to an in-state school. It was maybe 9000 per semester, so eighteen to 20000 per year, which is not a whole lot by today's standards.
1: Okay, so go on. So you were able to get financing, though, to go to school?
0: Yes. So during the interview process, you interview for uh, getting into the medical school, and then in the afternoon, you meet with a financial aid counselor to figure out how you're going to pay for medical school. And at that time, I'm not sure if it's commonplace now, but at that time, we were kind of nudged towards taking out the maximum allowable student loans because in, in future years, if you lower the amount that you requested, there was no guarantee that you'd be able to increase that that number in the future. So we were kind of nudged towards just take out the maximum and if you have excess left over, you can do whatever you want with it.
1: Okay. So how much did you take out relative to what the tuition was? You took out more than the tuition.
0: Yeah. So As a medical student, it's hard to have a job to help pay for living expenses. So a lot of medical students will finance not only their tuition, but also living expenses, such as food and and rent and whatnot.
1: What did you use the money for besides living expenses? You bought a car.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, So that's one thing I told you about. So if you have excess student loans, you can do whatever you want with it. You can either pay it back immediately, which is the financially responsible thing to do, What I did uh, one semester is I I knew I had enough living expenses saved up. I already looked at my budget. I knew I wasn't going to need the student loan check. So I literally, it arrived in the mail and I walked across the street to the bank and put it in a one-year CD. And at that time, the interest rate was similar to slightly higher than the interest rate for the loan. So I did make a little bit on that, but it would have been smarter just to, to pay back right away to lower the overall balance. Now, one thing I did in subsequent years, I needed a new car. My car was falling apart. I needed to be able to commute from my apartment to to school. So I used my excess student loan money to buy a new car.
1: <laughs> did you need a car? I mean, was that a legit expense or did you buy a lot more than you really needed?
0: We bought about what we needed. The good thing about this, if there is a, a, a silver lining, is I, I put 50% down, so... There's a a small balance, but then I financed the rest at seven percent, which was not a great idea. So I'm using the student loan money to that has an interest rate at that time at three and a half percent to pay off another loan that has seven percent. So that was a terrible, terrible choice.
1: Well, but some people you told me some people did even other things like buying tech stocks.
0: Yeah, so this was in 1999 to 2003 when I was in medical school, and some of my classmates used their excess money to invest in tech stocks. And it did not turn out well for them. Some of my classmates lost all of their student loan money in the dot-com bubble.
1: Wow. That's really scary. So let's talk more about you. So we get to the end of school. Describe to me how much you had in debt and then what was happening at that point.
0: Sure. So I graduated in 2003 and immediately started a residency. I did a five-year residency in radiology. And at that time, the student loan balance was about 130000 which by today's standards is a fraction of what students are graduating with. Uh, I threw out an informal poll to a closed physician Facebook group that I'm a part of. And the numbers I was getting back for current graduates was between 200 and 400,000. So by today's standards, my balance was not all that big. And even the minimum payments at that time were somewhat draconian. I was making a resident salary, which at that time was about $35,000 per year. And out of that, of course, I need living expenses, um, had to pay for a car, had a commute every day. So even the minimum payment was was tight. So what a lot of students do in this instance is they first defer. And at that point, you could defer up to 36 months. I think it might still be that. And then after that, if you still can't make your payments, then you can go into forbearance, which is even worse. So and then throughout the entire time, the interest is accruing. So from the time I started medical school to the time I started paying down my loan, it was nine years. So that that was a long time of compounding.
1: So then where did it stand? How did this end up?
0: Sure, so the balance tipped the scales at about 165,000. Started making very aggressive payments in 2009. And this story turns out okay. I was able to finish paying off those loans uh, last year. Everything turned out okay and I really don't have any complaints. Taking out these loans helped enable me to realize my dream of becoming a physician and being a radiologist and doing what I love to do. But I live in a world of chaos in the emergency and trauma world, and I see people's lives destroyed every day. Nine years of deferral, of putting off student loan payments is a long time. That's, that's a long time, and anything could have happened. If I developed an illness or if I were in a car accident, like a lot of the patients I see every day, or if I developed a disability or for some reason couldn't finish residency, that would have been really, really bad. And fortunately, everything turned out okay for me, but for a lot of people, it doesn't.
1: How did you feel when you would see $165,000 as your balance?
0: Honestly, I buried my head in the sand. I didn't want to think about it. When I, I saw the number going up every month, And each month, the amount that it would increase would increase because of compounding. I put it out of sight, out of mind. I kept my eye on the prize of finishing residency. And when I got an attending job with an attending salary, I'd be able to quickly pay it off. But in retrospect, I was entering the danger zone. You know, if, if something bad happened that negatively impacted my ability to earn income, it may not have turned out so well. And as you know, and many of your listeners know, dismissing student loans and bankruptcy is very challenging.
1: Is that something you ever thought about?
0: No, no, okay. I knew that that once I, I finished residency and got a job, I was going to be able to pay it down. So I mean the number was big and it was it was moderately terrifying. But once I started seeing that number come down, I started to feel better about it. I regretted having that balance because I knew I could be taking that money and putting it to good use elsewhere yeah I did some some math. You know if I didn't have student loans and I used all that money to invest, it was a much bigger return than than just taking out the student loans.
1: So what is the takeaway then for our listeners? When you look back at who you were when you were first entering medical school and having these meetings with the financial aid advisors, what would you have done differently, if anything?
0: I probably would have taken the excess money that I didn't need. I want to just pay back the balance, immediately given it back. You can use debt as a tool to accomplish your goals. However, if you're going to use debt to finance an education, you have to be very mindful of that. You need to be conservative, only take out what you need, and then pay back as quickly as possible. If you use debt, especially for education, incorrectly, And something bad happens that negatively impacts your ability to pay back the loan, that could be financially devastating.
1: And what about these people that were, I mean, was it a popular thing at the time to take your student loan money and instead of using it for tuition, use it to buy stocks?
0: That was one popular thing that students did. Other students would, if they had time off, they would go on a nice vacation. Like me, I uh, helped buy a car. That's what a lot of the students did. And like me, a lot of them were putting it how to decide how to mind all we need to do is finish medical school go to residency get a, an attending uh, job with a higher salary and pay back the loans quickly but as i said before it, it's a long time from the time you start to the time you end and start making a physician salary to be able to pay that down aggressively and anything can happen in that time
1: so what is your money tip now you have something really innovative that maybe some people don't know about but could really be helpful.
0: So one thing that exists in the medical world is student loan forgiveness program, where if you start paying off your loans even during training and you go to work for a nonprofit, over a shorter period of time, you'll have those loans forgiven. I'm sure there are other programs for non-medical professionals where there's a similar type track where if you go to, for example, an underserved area in your field that you may be able to have some of your student loans forgiven or paid off.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much, Scott. Is there anything else that you want to add? Anything you want people to know about you? How to reach you?
0: Sure. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at radiology 911 So that's, Love a, that. a <laughs> my, that's a nod to, to my How'd you get that?
1: That's pretty cool that you got that that handle.
0: I don't know. I just it just came to me. So I so I picked it. So that's a nod to what I do. I don't do a whole lot of personal finance there. Most of what I do is medical education, physician wellness and and policy. But If you like to see interesting images, that's where to go.
1: All right. Thank you, Scott. You were wonderful. And really, thank you so much for supporting the program.
0: Thanks for having me, Bobby.
1: Hey friends. So first, student loan debt, as Scott mentioned, is pretty hard to get rid of unless you actually pay it. It stays with you even in bankruptcy. But there are some programs that you can at least look into and some options that are emerging, some new things in just the past few years. I'm going to send you guys to a government website called studentloans.gov. And from there, you can look for how to repay your loans and go to repayment forms. I'm going to now walk you through some of what you'll see there. Just to give you a high level sense of your options. So financial grown up tip number one, some loans like federal family education loans and Perkins loans can be eligible for something called public service loan forgiveness. The key thing for eligibility is that you have to have made 120 qualifying payments under a qualifying repayment plan while working full time for a qualifying employer. That's a lot I know. The key thing, though, qualifying employment is generally things like government organizations, federal, state, local. They even say tribal on that government site. You guys are going to follow up and look for yourselves. Also, nonprofits, like those with the 501c3 designation. Also, some other nonprofit organizations, if they provide certain public services, things like AmeriCorps or Peace Corps volunteer. So if you are interested in those things anyway, it could be something to look into that could pay off in more ways than one. Financial grown-up tip number two. Now, this is more for the for-profit schools, some of which were not living up to what they promised students. So you can also apply for something called borrower defense to repayment. If you took out loans to attend a school that misled you, about the educational services that you paid for with the loans. So there's a lot of fine print to all of this. You have to follow up by really combing through the website. It even covers the extremely rare times that student debt can be forgiven in bankruptcy. But again, that's very rare. And also, of course, what happens to student debt if the student or the parents, who in some cases are the borrowers, pass away. A few other resources regarding student debt. Check out. One of my favorite websites on this topic, The College Investor. It is run by Robert Farrington. He knows a lot about student debt. He even has a great article. I'm going to leave, well, there's many great articles, but I'm going to leave a link to an article that's one of my favorite in the show notes for more ideas to get your debt forgiven and also answering questions about things you might have heard of that were options in the past but have now merged into other forms. So it's important to keep up with it. It's kind of a moving target the way that the laws change. Also, SoFi and Student Loan Hero both run blogs that have a lot of useful information. I'm going to leave a link to a great article by my friend and former Financial Grown-Up podcast guest, Melanie Lockhart, in the show notes as well that has some great resources. Thank you to radiologist Scott Steinberg for being our very first listener to share their money story and advice. It was great. If you want to be considered for an upcoming episode, email us at info at financialgrownup.com. Tell us what money story and what everyday money tip you would share if you were chosen. Thanks to everyone for your support. If you listen on Apple podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. If you are enjoying the podcast, please tell someone that you think would also like it. Spread the word, post it in one of your Facebook groups and tell people to check it out. If you spot one of our video promos on Twitter or Instagram, share that and you could win a custom one just for yourself or running a little competition. I'm on Twitter at Bobby Rebel, on Instagram at Bobby Rebel 1, on Facebook at Bobby Rebel. I can't thank Scott enough for reaching out and being our first listener to share a story. It was a good one and something unfortunately way too many people can relate to, but I do think his story and his great advice got us all one step closer to being financial grown-ups.